Welcome to Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. God says, I will judge you and I'm going to press you down right here. There's always been a remnant. The remnant is Calvary. There's the promise. There's the fulfillment of the nation of Israel. It's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the promise is at, at Calvary. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Living Faith. You're invited to join us as we continue our series entitled, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. For the Hebrew people, life in the promised land was a cycle. Though God had promised his people a land of plenty, he also commanded them to remember him and his law in their abundance. The people became blinded by their prosperity and often followed after other gods, worthless idols. Each time God graciously provided the voice of a prophet to call his people back to himself and to warn of impending judgment. Amos was one such prophet in this cycle. This shepherd, called from the fields of a small town, was chosen to bring God's message of judgment to a powerful and arrogant nation. A message so very relevant to New Testament believers who were part of Israel's faithful remnant through Jesus Christ. So get your Bible and pen ready and let's listen in as Pastor John Beck leads us through the book of Amos. Take your Bible if you will and find the Old Testament book of Amos or let me back up. Everybody go to the table of contents. Find the book of Amos and the table of contents, okay? So you're getting a couple more weeks reprieve with this. It is a tough book to find, and I don't want you sitting there because your preacher tends to preach out the New Testament more than the Old Testament. I don't want you to not know where Amos is. So just go, everybody go to the table of contents. It's a little book. If you get to Obadiah, back up one. As we think of the book of Amos, we estimate that it was the, the ministry of Amos was going on around 750. Let's just say that's a, a good figure. The book of Amos, the prophesying of Amos was going on in the northern kingdom, uh, 750 B.C. That's a long time ago, isn't it? So you move forward 750 and go from zero to go to 2015. That's a long time. And what was at stake in the life of Amos was the judgment of God rolling down upon the nations and even the people of God. But yet, we see in Amos that God provides a remnant. And so as we look at our culture today, we look around and we, we still see sin. We still see war and, and famine. We still see people abused and, and mistreated. We still see all of the things that were going on in the life of Amos. But we also need to remember that God is God and always will be God. So he prophesied in the Old Testament under the Old Covenant and the law. And as he alludes to in the book of Amos, that there's going to be a, a restoration one day. And, and sometimes we look at that from a, a, a literal standpoint and we think about that there's going to be a, a restoration of the, of the nation of Israel. And I know that a lot of dispensational uh, theologians, isn't that a big word? Go home and Google that, dispensationalism. 
hold to a, a, a literal restoration of the nation of Israel, but I don't consider myself a dispensationalist, and so when I see a, a restoration of the, of the nation of Israel, I look through the cross and know that that restoration is Christ. And so as we see the, the nation of Israel as God's chosen people, who are God's chosen people in the New Testament? Believers. And so a lot of times people say, well, what is the message of the Old Testament to us here, New Testament Christians? Why is it that we preach and teach the Old Testament if we're, we're saved by grace through faith and Christ came not to abolish the law to fulfill it? Because Amos is not a book necessarily about the nation of Israel. Amos is not necessarily a book about judgment. If you look at the book of Amos, the book of Amos is a book about God and who he is and what he has done. And so as we get into this section of the book of Amos, we see him introducing himself. I gave an overview last week of the book somewhat. I, I kind of got sidetracked, didn't I? I tend to do that. I always blame it on the Holy Spirit. We see uh, an introduction where we're introduced to the judge and then to his judgment. So take your Bible, Amos chapter 1. I did get through one verse last week. I'm going to read a little bit of chapter 1 and a little bit of chapter 3, and then I'm going to do a little preaching and teaching, and then I'm going to read a larger section of the book of Amos. So uh, I hope that you're excited about hearing a lot of the Word of God read this morning. Amos chapter 1, verse 2, and he said, The Lord roars from Zion, and he utters his voice from Jerusalem, and, and the pastors, pastures of the shepherds mourn, and the top of Carmel withers. Now, as we read that and we see, we see the, 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 the power of, we could say, the percussion of this roaring, that the, the, she, uh, the, the pastures and the tops of the mountains are affected by this, this roar of this lion. Now turn, if you will, to chapter 3. Verse 3. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Does a, does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? It's a rhetorical question. Why would a, why would a lion roar if he's not about to attack a prey or, or hungry and seeking a prey? Does a young lion cry out from his den unless he has taken nothing? Does a bird fall in a snare on the earth when there is no trap for it? All historical questions. Does a snare spring up from the ground when it has not, taken nothing? Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? And so you can imagine Amos prophesying these words to the nation of Israel and they would have said, yes, these things happen. There's a, there's a cause and there's an effect. These things happen because there was something that caused it. And so the question is, does a lion roar unless there's a need for the lion to roar? For the Lord does nothing without revealing his secret to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who but can prophesy? Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the roar from the lion of the tribe of Judah. We thank you for 
King Jesus that is the ultimate king and the ruler. We thank you, Lord God, that in the time of Amos that your prophecy roared as a lion upon the nations and upon the people of Israel. And we're thankful for your presence in our life today as an all-sovereign God. We thank you, Lord God, that you are our judge and that you will judge us by and through the truth of your word. We thank you for corporate worship, the singing of hymns and spiritual songs, the, the giving of gifts and our tithes, and we thank you for the word that you have preserved that is now being proclaimed. We pray this in the precious Lamb of God's name, Jesus Christ, amen. Aren't you glad that we have a judge? I am. Aren't you glad that we have a creator? What, what is the opposite of that? Utter chaos. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if, if there is not a God that is all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful, holy, righteous, fair, just, merciful. If there is not a God that is ruling heaven in that way, I would never pray. Because who would I pray to? How could I pray if I did not believe that there was a, a God in heaven that is in control of everything? I don't want to pray to a God that's not in control of something. I don't want to pray to a God that's in control of a few things and not everything. I want to pray to a God that is in control of all things. I want to bow my head and my heart and worship. When I say, Holy Spirit, rain down, I want to sing in such a way that there's this God in heaven that is orchestrating all things. And Amos went to the nation of Israel and he, he stood before the people and the king and the rulers and, and the religious leaders and he said, if you listen, you'll hear a lion roaring. And he's roaring for a reason. I mentioned last week I've never gone to Africa. Somebody wants to send me to Africa for a hunt, I'll go. You write the check, I will travel. But I have been out in the woods in hunting expeditions and hear all the weird little noises at night. Can you imagine hearing a lion roar and what that must sound like? If you listen closely, you can hear the roar of a lion and that lion is God and he's on his throne. We look at this judge, and I read in, in Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom. You remember what I said? The word of God said, his kingdom rules over how much? All. We can almost go home and, today and feel a lot better about ourselves, don't we? We got, a, we got a loving Lord that sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for, the, for our sin, that we believe and repent, and by grace through faith, we're saved. We enter into the family of God, and the God that we just, the family that we just entered into is the same God that created and sustains and allows all things, and he's in control of the entire universe, and all these things that worry us, we don't need to worry anymore, right? Because God's in control, amen? Let's go home. 
The hardest thing for Baptists to realize is what the sovereignty of God means in everyday Christian life. We know he's in control, but we don't live our spiritual life like he is in control. The Bible says that our judge is sitting on the throne in heaven and he rules his kingdom. Psalm 47, 8, God reigns over the nation and God sits on his holy throne. Notice this, when we think about God's sovereignty and over the nations, he reigns. Now what does it mean for somebody to, to reign? He's in charge. He, he is sitting in a, in a place of authority and, and God is, is reigning over his kingdom. Now when you think about his kingdom, what is his kingdom? Is his kingdom those that believe that he is God? A lot of times in our world today we think, well you have your God and I have my God and if you believe your God the way that you believe your God and I believe my God the way that I believe my God and you do what you do right and I do and I get right, when we get to wherever they think we're going, we call heaven, when we get there God is going to say welcome. Does that sound Sound like make any sense? No, it doesn't make any sense. God reigns over his kingdom, all creation. He is God over the universe. He reigns. He is in a position of authority. But secondly, look at Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 27. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the generations, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Now, when we think about nations, we're thinking about the, the, the people groups, the, the peoples all over the kingdom, all over the world. Notice what it says. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. He's not just reigning. We could say that we've got somebody that's reigning, and, and by position of authority, that is God, that we could say, well, God is in control, but it also, he rules. And the idea is that God rules everything. God is in control of everything. There's nothing. Could you imagine God sitting in heaven ruling and that things, can you, do you think things go on that God doesn't understand? Do you think that things go on that God didn't know about? Uh, a lot of times I make fun of myself even, practical fun. I try to be kind of practical a thing. Do you think God is up in heaven going, you know, and, and, and Gabriel knocks on the door and say, God, you got a few minutes? I'm busy. I'm on Facebook. I'm updating my status. This will be a real dynamic God quote. Uh, there was a disaster in fill in the blank. You think God spins around from his chair and goes, really? When did that happen? What do y'all think we need to do about it? Do you think, you know, do, do, you, do you visualize God? Because the reason I say that, that in a silly way I think that's the way we live our life. That's what we think. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do now? Everything was supposed to go great and I went to church Sunday and I even gave a little bit this week. Maybe I should have gave more. That's why bad things happen. I gave a little bit. I went home. Things were great. And this happened. Like God took the vacation and that God just kind of checked out and went on this break and don't bother him during this break. Listen, he is the sovereign Lord of the universe. How should we fear and worship? I even think about worship a lot of time in our, in our churches and the things that we do. And, and, and I think about the seriousness of gathering. He is God. 
And Amos says that he is a roaring lion and he is judging the nations. He is judging everybody. He's not just judging, you know, the king sitting in Israel. Amos comes with a message and said the lion is roaring and he is bringing judgment that is going to roll down. Chapter 5, verse 24. And it's going to, to roll down righteousness and judgment. He's judging the nations. He's judging the nations now. He will ultimately judge the nations in the end, but he is still on his throne. Back to Amos. The judge. Who is the recipients of this judgment? We could say the judged. Follow with me as I read a lengthy section here, beginning in verse 3. And I, what I love about Amos, and we look at the prophecy, they're a messenger. They're, they, they, they come bringing the message. They were God's anointed. They were, they were chosen by God as the mouthpiece of God. And so we don't have prophets anymore. We don't have apostles anymore. We don't have anybody getting a, a fresh word from God anymore. What we have now is the word of God. So just as, and I remind you this, just as important as it was Amos standing that day in 756, something BC and he said thus saith the Lord this is the word we have from God today that's why the Bible is so important to us because just as real is what God has spoke through Amos this is what we will be judged by one day what he has given to us people say if I just had a little bit more information if I just knew just a little bit more if we could get a, a fresh word from God today and God would say listen this is the word for all eternity right now you don't need another word this is it you have the Bible that's why it warns us that we don't interpret the Bible in our own way, in our own accord. We don't just say, well, if Jesus said it, it must be true. But if Paul said it, it's not true. No, every word of the word of God is absolutely true. And how the Old Testament applies to the new covenant and points to Christ. This is the word. Just as we would be listening to Amos, we have the word of God before us today. Verse 3, for thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, it's a, it's a poetic play of words saying, you know, I'm, I'm keeping track. And so you did it three times and four. In other words, you know, what you've done is obvious. We're not, we don't have to keep count. We know you surpassed the limit. And he uses that in, in each one of the, of the cities. For three transgressions of, of Damascus and for four I will not revoke the punishment because they have threshed Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. So I will send a fire upon the house of Haziel and I will, shall devour the strongholds of Benadad. I will break the gate bar of Damascus and cut off the inhabitants from the valley of Aden. And him who holds the scepter from Beth Eden. And the people of Syria shall go into exile to Kerr, says the Lord. Damascus. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. Because they carried into exile a whole people to deliver up from Eden. Edom. Now you know who Edom was? 
That's the descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother. And they were taking people out of, of Israel and they were taking them captive out of, out of Israel and they were selling them off to, to eat them, to deliver them. So they were taking God's people out of Israel and they were delivering them up to eat them, their enemy. And God says, I see what's going on. I know what's going on. And I'm going to judge. I will cut off the inhabitants from Ashdod and hold him who holds the scepter from Ashkelon. And I will turn my hand against Ekron, and the remnant of the Philistines shall perish, says the Lord. Now, can you imagine? I mean, don't, don't turn there, because once I get you to the maps, you lose your focus and you won't come back. But it would be like standing in Highlands County, in Avon Park, and somebody saying to Tampa, to Lakeland, to Orlando, to Vero Beach, to Okeechobee, to Sebring, to Sarasota. And they're standing there, and he's talking about a prophecy, and he's, he's naming all the country. You can look in the back of your Bible. He's naming everybody that surrounds the nation of Israel. For three transgressions of Tyre and for four I will not revoke my punishment because they've delivered up a whole people to Edom. Again, Tyre did the same thing. They're taking people from Israel and they're selling them to Edom. And I will do and did not remember the covenant of the brotherhood. Amos is reminding him of the, of the covenant in 1 Kings chapter 5 that was made with the descendants of Esau and the descendants of Jacob and they went against God's command and God's brotherhood. God remembers and he holds us to these truths. So I will send a fire upon the wall of Tyre, and I shall devour her strongholds. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Edom and four, I will not revoke the punishment, because he pursued his brother with the sword and cast off all pity and his anger and tore perpetually, and he kept his wrath forever. So I will send a fire upon Teman, and it shall devour the strongholds of Basra. You know, one of the, the, the punishments of Edom that uh, this judgment was ultimately be fulfilled, you remember as you're reading your Old Testament, when Moses came out of the promised land, entered out of Egypt going to the promised land, it was the Edomites that would not allow Moses to go through. God said, okay, I'm in control, but I'm going to pass judgment one day for that act. For three transgressions of the Ammonites and for four I will revoke the punishment because they have ripped out pregnant women in Gilead and that they might enlarge their border. So evidently there was some type of, of war and, and, and crossing over into foreign lands and they were slaughtering the women in order to conquer these lands. But see, where is God sitting? On his throne. So I will kindle a fire in the wall of Rabbah and I shall devour her strongholds with a shout of the day of battle, with a tempest in the day of the whirlwind and their king shall go into exile, he and his priests together. I might want to just remind you for those that may already know this that in 734 BC, the Ammonites fell under the, heads of the hands of the Assyrians and they are no more. Fire fell in judgment upon them. For three transgressions of Moab, who was a descendant of Lot, 
and for four I will not rebuke the punishment. You may remember that King Moab was the Old Testament king that got Balaam to try to prophesy against the, uh, uh, the nations. And when he rode the donkey and the, uh, and the donkey said, I ain't going any further, you're going to speak again. All of God's word is always fulfilled. So I will send a fire upon Moab and it shall devour the strongholds of Kiriath and Moab shall die amid uproar. And a shouting and the sound of the trumpet, I will cut off the ruler from its midst and I will kill all of its princes with him, says the Lord. Chapter two, verse four. Amos got through with the cities, the one, two, three, four, five, six, the six cities that surrounded uh, the, the, the nation of Israel and the kings and the leaders would have said, well, naturally God's gonna pass judgment on them. But you know what Peter says? Peter says that judgment first starts in where? The house of God. See, that's us. Don't we, don't we love that? Amen. Preach it, preacher. Amen. Cast judgment upon the wickedness of this world. Those countries, those, those people that are living that way. And Amos said, oh yeah, there's going to be a day coming when everybody will bow their knee to the, 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 the sovereign Lord of the universe. And I'm sure even in Israel they went, amen. And then Amos said, let me get a little closer to home. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah. He's standing in the northern kingdom and he's prophesied against the religious, the, the chosen ones of the southern kingdom. I will not revoke the punishment. As we anticipate what the judgment is for, you think, man, I wonder what they did so bad that God would judge Judah. It had to be terrible because they rejected the law of God and did not keep his statutes. Amazing. God judges us when we disobey him. That's it. That's all he said. Judge Judah Judah, Jerusalem, Judah is going to be judged because they did not obey my word. That ought to scare us. That ought to bring fear and trembling in our, in our pews right now. Here's the thing to think about that. It didn't come instantly, did it? Have you ever noticed that, that you know, I think about our own Christian life. Sometimes we, we get away from the things that we know right and wrong. We know what is right and we know what is wrong. It's kind of like testing the waters of sin. We stick our finger in it a little bit and think, well, it's okay. And then we get in there and we think, everything's all right. Nothing's happening. I didn't, you know, commit a sin and like my arm fall off with leprosy all of a sudden. And, you, and people begin to wonder. We, we've lost the fear God could rain judgment down on us tomorrow some of the, the, the in doing my studies I was reading about these cities and, and I was like well I've never heard of that before so I'm like going where's this at and they go we don't really know where it's at why do you think we don't know where it's at it's been destroyed because of God's judgment you know, we, we are daring God to say prove your God Oh, he will. I may not be living right. I may not be doing right. I may not be living the way, but you know, I am who I am and this is just, I'm happy doing this and I know what your word says, but I'm gonna do it my way. And God said to the nation of Judah, I'm judging you because you did not obey what I told you to obey. 
That's it. And I admit, I'm, I'm sure at that time that Amos was going, you know, was prophesying, and again, they were thinking, whew, not us. Now look at verse 6. Then Amos probably went, <clears throat> while I'm here, and the main reason I'm here is God's going to judge the nations, and he's going to judge Judah. And but this one, Amos looked, and he said, he's also going to judge you. For three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke my punishment. Interesting, he uses more verse on Israel than he does anybody else because that's who he's dealing with. Judgment starts in the house of the Lord. Because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, those who trample the head of the poor into the dust of the earth and turn aside the way of the afflicted, a man and his father go into the same girl. That is what we would call sexual immorality. Let me tell you, a great sign of how far people are, sexual immorality. We're not just talking about, anybody. whenever you start talking about sexual immorality in a church, you know what everybody talks about? Same-sex marriage. Preach it, brother. Well, what about you living with that person? How about preaching that? How about rampant sex out of wedlock? What if I preach on that a little bit? Not to leave anybody out. How about all you old folks that are living together because you get more back in Social Security? How about if I preach that? This same-sex marriage is despicable. Yes, it is despicable. So is sex out of marriage and pornography and everything else that is sexually immoral. I think about the number of men that feast on pornography every day and then they want to, want to complain. You know, it, sexual immorality is sexual immorality, period. Every nation that was judged by God was at the forefront. I mean, you sit there thinking, this is Israel. Israel. God's chosen people. Men and son having sex with the same woman so they may... So my holy name is profane. They, they lay themselves down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge. You know, when you think about it, they lay themselves beside every altar of garments taken in pledge in the house of their God. They drink in the wine of those who have been fine. The nation of Israel is judged by three, for three reasons. Injustice, they're just not doing right. They have the law of the Lord. They know what is right. They're just not living right. You know, when, when we have the law of the Lord in our hearts, we should live right. We should treat people right. We should worship right. Our life should just be right. And God says, I'm going to judge you because you're not living right. It's all about what we do with God's word. It's not about personal opinion and what you think is right. It's about doing right in God's eyes. That's where the judgment is. Just do right. Verse 7, he judges for immorality. Do right. Don't make it difficult. Verse 8, they lay themselves in the altar. So what was going on is they were going into the altar. I mean, it's like coming to church. I mean, none of us are perfect. I'm sure there's a few things I did this morning I shouldn't have done. You could ask my wife at the invitation time. She'll probably make you a list. But honestly, when I was coming to church, I was getting ready for worship. I was excited about being here. I wanted to be here. I wanted to be a clean vessel before the Lord. But in Israel, they were coming to the church living in sin. They knew they weren't right. And they were coming into the house of God, and they were making a mockery of it. And God says that is idolatry, and that will not happen. 
And I think about what we do as a church, even the small things that we may do as a church that are idolatry. I wonder how often we come to worship that we're so worried about all the other stuff that is going on that we don't understand. We are here to worship a holy and a righteous God. What a privilege that is. Verses 9, he says, Yet I was, it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them. Verse 10, It was I who brought you out of Egypt. It was I who, who raised up some of your prophets. You see what he's saying to the nation of Israel? You hear what he's saying? And, and, and how it applies to us here today? He's saying, remember what I've done. I, I brought you out of Egypt and I, I, you took the promised land. I've always been faithful. I've always provided for you. I've always done everything because I am God. That's what God does. But if you obey me, and I, I think about our country, and I think about our, our Christian life, well, look what all God has already done for us. We know that. He always blesses obedience. He always blesses us. And I think about it even financially, some of the, 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 I don't know what it's like to be poor. You know, you know, we may think we're poor. We don't have a clue what poor is. My grandparents did. They didn't have anything, but they had everything. And they trusted God. And, and, and there was something about years ago, there was a, a holy fear of God. I remember Miss Vinnie Shields when she was in her 90s at our church. And she talked about when she got saved. She said, I was, I was ironing clothes on a Sunday morning. And I heard the words of her, an evangelist that was at our church that week. And I knew that I needed to repent and to be saved. And I told my husband that I'm going to church today and get my life right with God and be baptized because I feared God. And I know that if I didn't obey God, he might take my life and she walked like 10 miles to come to church to tell the preacher and she got baptized that day why would somebody do that because she feared God and she said I know if God is putting something on my heart that I'm going to follow through because I fear God more than I fear man that was a, a remembering who God is we don't remember who God is anymore we forget all that God has done he said, I'm going to judge you for these things, but you need to remember who I am. And then he goes on to verse 13, and it's an idea of anticipating this future judgment. Behold, I will press you down in your place. You know what that tells me? In my place, right where I am, right where I'm living. And I can't hide from God. I can't run from God. Right where I am. There, you know, I'm not bigger than God. I'm not somewhere that God can't touch me. He told the nation of Israel, I will judge you and I'm going to press you down right here. Do you know what happened in 722 BC? God pressed them down right there. And Assyria came in and destroyed them. Do you know what happened in 586 to the southern kingdom? God pressed them down right there. You know what's built on the temple in Jerusalem right now? What's built on top of the temple? The Wailing Wall. Y'all not know? What is it? A mosque. Who, who worships in a mosque? Muslims. Could you now, just think back to that? Solomon's Temple. The house of God for the nation of Israel is a mosque sitting on the foundation of it. God said, I'll press you down. Flight shall perish from the swift and the strong shall not retain his strength, nor shall the mighty save his life. He who handles the bow shall not stand. He who is swift of foot shall not save himself, nor he who rides the horse shall save his life. And he who is stout of heart among the mighty shall flee away naked. 
in the day, declares the Lord. He pressed them down. And in the old covenant, he always provided a remnant. There's always been a remnant. You think about that today. Sometimes I think we're missing it. The remnant is not one day the nation of Israel is going to build a temple again. Listen, my friend, you're missing the cross when you believe that. The remnant is Calvary. He said, we live in a a world and I'm going to press down judgment, but I will always have a remnant and that remnant is going to be through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. That is a lion that's roaring out of Judah. And he tells us today, I'm going to press down, I'm going to roll down my judgment. But in Jesus Christ, there's a remnant. That's why judgment of God is a just judgment. Without Christ, we're going to face judgment. But with Christ, we're renewed and redeemed. And we'll never stand under the judgment of God because we're His. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with God, but I hope you fear God. And my prayer is that if you know you're not where you need to be with God, and you know why I'm fixing to say this? Because that was me years ago. I tell you right now, my preacher, I love him to death. I think he just turned 90-something. I told him he'll always be my pastor. He was too sweet. I wish he'd have put me in a headlock and pile-drived me at church a couple of times and said, boy, if you don't straighten up, not only am I going to whoop you, but God's going to press you down. If you're living in sin, you need to stop because judgment's coming. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to open up your heart in repentance and faith and enter into the family of God. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. See, there's the remnant. There's the promise. There's the fulfillment of the nation of Israel. It's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where the promise is at, at Calvary. And if you are a believer and you're struggling, struggle no more. Repent. Put your trust in him and follow him. You're a child of God. Act like one. We don't have Amos's anymore, but we got the word of God to convict us. He loved the nation of Israel. He loved the nation of Judah. He loved his people. But he's a faithful God to bless and to judge. For us today, we just need to trust in who Christ is, believe in him, live for him, and tell others about him. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we do thank you for the love that you have for us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that judgment is a coming, but it's a just, righteous judgment. And that judgment is based upon the truth of your word. We thank you for sending your son Christ to die on a cross for our sin, that we can repent of our sin, place our faith in who you are, trust after you, follow after you for the rest of our life. My prayer this morning at this time of invitation is simply this. Let us be a holy people. For those that aren't believers, I pray today would be the day that they would get their life right and they would come to you in repentance and faith and they would be holy before you. For those that are part of the family, those that are saved, Lord, I pray that we would not allow the 
distraction and dismay of this world to, to, to yank and to gnaw at our sanctification that we would be holy, that we would lay down the sins of our past and that we would be holy people before you. But we know we have to trust in who you are. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's all for this edition of Living Faith. Listen in every week for more from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. You don't want to miss any of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Roll Down, Judgment and Restoration in the Prophecy of Amos. Our senior pastor, John Beck, will be walking us through that important Old Testament book for the coming months. For more information about First Baptist Church of Avon Park, just go to fbcap.net. You can find us on Facebook by simply searching for First Baptist Church, Avon Park, Florida. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash FBC Avon Park. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. Our Sunday service begins at 1045. You can find all this information and more at fbcap.net. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time on Living Faith.